Everyone is now muted, um, except for me and you. Um, everyone is muted. They have the availability to unmute themselves. We ask everyone not to exercise that option until the end of this year. Right. So, so right. So we're, we're, we're very excited to have Rabbi Glaxin virtually here with us in Chicago. Glaxin, um, as, as people know, is a very uh, noted rav and a well-known speaker and author. He's just come out with his uh, newest sefer, which is going to be discussing today the, the sugya called Sefer Alaka Demer Aneni. Famous Tanner of Mayor, and we're all looking forward. We want to do. We want to thank uh, the Davis family again. For, uh, for sponsoring the Simcha Davis Legal Holiday Learning Program. Um, we will be having a question and answer period where Rabbi Glassing will be taking questions, asking people, if they can, to, uh, to uh, keep the questions to the end, where Rabbi Glassing will, at the end, open up to a question and answer period. So without further ado, uh, Rabbi Glassing, please. Thank you. Okay. Good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you, Danny, for the warm introduction. Uh, this morning I'd like to discuss a topic which is very dear to me. Uh, the subject of the great Tana, Rabbi Meir Balanes, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu's, uh, eternal love for Klal Yisrael. And I want to introduce this subject by discussing the subject on this week's Parsha. Because... In Parsha Shemais, Moshe Rabbeinu has his first encounter with the Rebbeinu Shalom. And one of the first messages that HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Moshe Rabbeinu, he says, paroi, This is Perk Dalet, Pasuk Chav Beis. Hashem, so says the Rebbeinu Shalom. Beni B'chayri Yisrael. My son, my firstborn, is Klal Yisrael. So the Rebbe Shalom is giving Klal Yisrael a very a great title, an amazing title. And that is Rebbe Shalom is saying to Moshe, I'm not just letting you know about this title, but you are being charged with a mission to relate to Paroi. You need to tell Paroi the way I feel about Klal Yisrael, that I reckon Klal Yisrael, I deem Klal Yisrael, Bani, my son, but, but the Rebbe Shalom continues, B'choyri Yisrael. Klal Yisrael is my firstborn. If you look at the Chizkuni on that Pasuk, Chizkuni says, well, if you have a firstborn son, then that implies that there are other children. To be the firstborn, that's a relative expression. So, says the Chizkuni, this implies that the nations of the world are the children of Hashem, but we share a special relationship Namely, that we are considered God's firstborn. However, Rabbi Chanan Vasserman, Hashem Yimkam Damai, in the Kovitz Namarim and in the Kovitz Haaretz, Rabbi Chanan asks a very strong question just on the simple reading of this Pasuk. Says Rabbi Chanan, and by the way, if you happen to have the Sefer or if you want to uh, listen to the Shir later, which by the way, the Shirim are available on TorahAnyTime.com, they're available on Shas Illuminated. They're available on podcast. And um, if you get a hold of the Sefer, we're beginning with Parak Hay of the Sefer. So Rabbi Chanan in the Kavitz Vamarm Chilak Aleph, it's in Maimer Banamatem, asks, wait a second. The Pasuk says in Parsha Surah, Banim Atem Lashem Aleichem. You are the children of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the, the Mishnah in Pirkei Avay says that from this Pasuk we learn, Chavivim Yisrael Shenikro Banim Lamakim. Klal Yisrael's beloved, that they are called the children of Hashem. That's exclusionary. Atem Nikram Banim. Only you are called children. The nations of the world are not called children. So says Rabbi Chan, we have a stira. On the one hand, Moshe Venus is given a mission to tell Paroi that Klal Yisrael are considered the firstborn son, which implies the nations of the world are children of Hashem, just not the firstborn. And yet, the Pasuk in Re'e, as understood by the Mishnah Perkei Avos, says, Banim Atem Lashem Lekechem, Chavivin Yisrael Shenikro Banim. Only the Jewish people are called children. The nations of the world are not the children of God. They are the handiwork of God. They are the creations of God. They are created in Hashem's image, but they are not Hashem's children. This is Rabbi Chanan's Kasha in the Koivetz Ma'amarim. So Rabbi Chanan, you 
offers the following attempted solution. If you look later on in Sefer Shemais, in Parshas Boy, when the Rabban Shem is telling Moshe Rabbeinu what to tell the people before they leave Egypt, the Pasuk says, Daber Speak in the ears of the people. V'yishalu And each man should ask of their friend. V'yishalu And each woman from their friend. Silver kalim, gold kalim. So Rivan Shem tells Moshe, tell the Yidin that they need to start borrowing the items of their neighbors and their friends. The language the Torah uses is reusa, reus, friendship. Asks Rebbe Hanan, what you, what's going on over here? We know there's a concept, that friendship in a halachic sense is only someone who's commanded in mitzvahs. How can we call the Mitzrim, how can we call the Egyptians, our friends? This is not just a, a colloquial expression. This is a halachic terminology. Reos is only applicable by someone who's chayiv in mitzvahs. Only a Jew who's mechuyiv in mitzvahs is called reacha. Reacha in mitzvahs. So ask Rabbi Hanan, how could the Torah say, They're not our friends halachically. So Rabbi Hanan quotes Rabbeinu Bechaye, that now they're not our friends. Once the Torah is given and we observe the mitzvahs, and the Gentiles do not observe the mitzvahs, so we are not considered halachically uh, uh, friends. However, before the Torah was given, and we didn't have this disconnect, we didn't have this difference between us that we are obligated mitzvahs and they are not. We could have been. We did have an element of reos, meaning the idea that reos between Klal Yisrael and the, and the Gentiles is not applicable is only phenomenon that exists after the Torah was given. But before the Torah was given, then we perhaps are reim with the nations of the world. Well, says Rabbi Hanan, the same way but before the Torah was given, we could be considered friends with the nations of the world. Why would that be? Because before the Torah was given, there's one creator. He created mankind, and we're all in it together. We're all equal. But once the Torah was given, then, says Rabbi Hanan, the same way we are not friends with the Gentiles, by the same token, they are not the same way we don't have brotherhood with the nations of the world, we also do not, we are not considered the children of Hashem. Meaning only the nations of the world, only Klal Yisrael are considered the children of Hashem. The nations of the world would not be considered the, the children of Hashem. In other words, the same way before the Torah was given, we're all brothers, then you could say before the Torah was given, we're all the children of God. But just like after the Torah was given, we are not all considered the children of Hashem. Therefore, we're not all considered brothers. And therefore, says Rabbi Hanan as follows. When Rabbi told Moshe Rabbeinu, B'ni Yisrael, you are my firstborn, which implies the nations of the world are also children. That is true before the Torah was given. But once the Torah was given, the nations of the world are not considered the children of Hashem anymore. However, says Rabbi Hanan, this answer is not sufficient. And the reason is, is because there's a Pasuk in Yirmiyah, Perak and Aleph, Pasuk Ches, Bivchi Yavayu, Uvesachanu Nim Oivileim, Oilichem El Nachalei Mayim B'Darach Yashar Lo Yikashluba. Now listen to this Pasuk, Ki Hayisi Li Yisrael La'av, I am the father of Klal Yisrael, Ve'Ephraim B'Chayrihu. And Ephraim, Ephraim is a, a terminology for the Jewish people, Ephraim is my firstborn. Says Rabbi Hanan, this Pasuk was well after the Torah was given. And the Pasuk is mashmag, even after the Torah was given, Klal Yisrael is the firstborn, and the nations of the world are reckoned regular children. So says Rabbi Hanan, we're back to the drawing board. The Mishnah says in Pirkei Avais, Bonim Atem Lashem Lekechem, only you are the children of Hashem which implies the nations of the world are not the children of Hashem. And yet, the Pasuk says in this week's parasha, B'ni B'chayri Yisrael, which implies Klai Yisrael is the firstborn, but the nations of the world are are indeed considered the children of Hashem. And don't say, well, that was before the Torah was given, because we have the same terminology that we are the firstborn, even after the Torah was given in Yirmiyah, Ephraim B'chayrihu.
Now, I will share with you that in my humble opinion, it does not seem to be such a strong question because you could simply look at Rashi in this week's parsha. Rashi says on the words, B'ni B'chayri Yisrael, that the Yavon Shalom says, Klal Yisrael are considered my firstborn, says Rashi, B'chayri is Lashon Gedula. B'chayr is the language of greatness. In other words, Yavon Shalom is telling Moshe to tell Parai, let Parai know, let Parai know that the Jewish people are great to me. Says Rashi, as the Pasuk says, Af'ani B'chayr Etneyu. So in other words, Bechar doesn't mean firstborn, Bechar means greatness. So that would seem to answer the question from the start. Yes, if Bechar was used in its literal sense, that would imply that the nations of the world are also the children of Hashem. But Bechar here is not meant to be used in a literal sense. The word Bechar is a description of greatness. That implies we are great in the eyes of Hashem relative to the nations of the world, but it is not saying at all that the nations of the world are the children of Hashem. Now, let me share with you Rav Hutner's answer to Rav Hanan's kasha. And uh, I, I would like to share with you, and this will be the end of this year, when Baruch Hashem, uh, in the Sefer's second printing, I came across a version of Avais de Reb Nassan that answers this question explicitly, which to me was uh, mind-blowing, that a question that Rosh Yeshivas de- dealt with in this century was really dealt with by a Brysa and Avais Reb Nassan, and it's a rather clear answer. But let me share with you Rav Hutner's answer in the Pachad Yitzchak. This could be found in Mamore Pachad Yitzchak on Pesach, Maimer Pebez Oisei. Rav Hutner quotes Rabbeinu Gershon. Rabbeinu Gershon in Erechen, Daflamid Beis Amid Beis, says Rabbeinu Gershon, we have a concept, how many Jews are there? 600,000 Jews. And yet we know that often in history, even when we left Egypt, there are more than 600,000 Jews. Today, in 2021, yeah, that's what we're up to. Uh, there are more than 600,000 Jews. So what is this idea? There's six, we know there's 600,000 letters in the Torah, there's 600,000 Jews. So Rabbeinu Gershon says, the Iker Yisrael is 600,000 Jews, and the rest of Klal Yisrael are Tafel. Now, you know, we don't like to use these elitist concepts, but what can we do? This is the truth. There is a concept that there is a core unit of Yisrael, that is in that number 600,000, and then beyond that, there's Tefalim, the Gemara says, Erev Rav. Well, says Rav Hutner, Klal Yisrael only enjoys the status of being children of Hashem. The nations of the world are not the children of Hashem. Only Yisrael are the, are the children of Hashem. However, within Klal Yisrael, you have Ikarim, six. And they number 600,000, and you have Tefalim, and they can number more. Says Rav Hutner, the terminology, B'ni B'chayri Yisrael, is not relative and vis-a-vis to the nations of the world. It's vis-a-vis the Tefalim in Klal Yisrael. In other words, every Jew is a Ben, but there are 600,000 Ikarim that are called B'chayri Yisrael. Okay, so that was uh, the opening of today's share, and I want to use this... Uh, opening to segue into the subject of the great Tana, Rav Meir Balanas. Because as we mentioned, the Mishnah says in Pirkei Avais, by the way, who is the Baal HaMemra of this Mishnah in Pirkei Avais? It's none other than Rabbi Akiva. Omar Rabbi Akiva! Chavivim Yisrael shenikro banim lamakum shenemar banim atem l'ashem l'kechem. So I want to tell you two very interesting phenomenon that are unique to the great Tana Rameir Balanas. Let's begin by learning what is one of the most important teachings that Rameir gave over to Kali Yisrael. It is a Gemara Masech the Kedushin Daflamid Vav. Says the Gemara, Banim Atem Lashem Alekechem. Amar Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda says that if Kali Yisrael fulfills the will of Hashem, 
we are considered the children of Hashem. Good to know. Rabbi Yehuda is of the opinion that if we do God's will, and if you have the Sefer, it's Perak Aleph, we are called Banim. If you don't do the will of Hashem, we are not called Banim. By the way, that would be very convenient with our own children, you know. You take them to a store, and they're misbehaving, they're acting up, and somebody wants to know, are these your children? You say, no, they're not, they're not my children. Right, wouldn't that be convenient if your kids are not behaving? You could say, uh, right now, they're not my children. They're only my children when they, when they act the way I want them to act. That is the opinion of Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda has a very interesting perspective on our relationship with Hashem. In other words, we are not unconditionally the children of Hashem. When we do the will of Hashem, we are the children of Hashem. If we don't do the will of Hashem, we are not, according to Rabbi the considered the children of Hashem. However, comes Rabbi Meir, and Rabbi Meir utters the following expression, No matter what we do, no matter what level we're on, no matter what madrega we're on, we are always considered the children of Hashem. And Rabbi Meir marshals four psukim to support him. He quotes the, the Pasuk, Banim Sechalim Hema. They are foolish children. Banim Loi Eimunbam. Children without any Emuna. He cites a third Pasuk. Zera Mereim. Evil seed. Banim Ashchisim. Corrupt children. And then finally, Rameir cites the Pasuk, Makam Yomer Lohem Loi Ami Atem Yomer Lohem Bnei Kelchai. And the Gemara wants to know, why does Rameir have to cite so many Psukim? So the Gemara says a beautiful thing. You would think only when Kali Yisrael are foolish we're considered the children of Hashem. But what if we don't believe in God? No! Even if you don't believe in God, you're considered as children. The Gemara continues. Maybe we're only considered as children if we don't believe, but not if we worship Avodah No! Even if you worship Avodah you're still considered the children of Hashem. Shenemar Bonim Mashchisim. You could be corrupt. You could be low. You could be debased. You're always... The child of Hashem, says the Gemara, but maybe you're called naughty boy. Maybe you're called a shlechta yingala. Maybe you're called a bad child. No, the Gemara says, Rameir cites a fourth pasuk. You're always considered Tyra Zisa Kindalach. Doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter whether you believe in God. You could bow down to idols. You could be corrupt. You're always considered the beloved child of Hashem. This is the opinion of Rameir. And this is something we're going to analyze um, a bit this morning. But first, let me share with you two unique phenomena that we encounter only by the great Tana Rameir. Number one, one of the great Sephardic giants was the Rav in Izmir. His name was Rav Chaim Felaji. He wrote a sefer called Mayed Lechalchai. And in Simen Chavzayin, Oisayin Vav, Rav Chaim Felaji says, Bechol Eis, Ubechol Zman, at all times, we are obligated always to think about the Tana Reb Meir. You hear this? There is an obligation to always think about the Tana Reb Meir. Huh? Why do I have to think about Reb Meir? I don't have to think about Moshe Rabbeinu. I don't have to think about Avram Avinu. I don't have to think about Yaakov Avinu. I don't have to think about David Amelach. In fact, in Judaism... I only have to think about God. I don't have to think about any people. There's no mitzvah in the Torah. There's no recommendation. You can look through the Shulchan Aruch. It doesn't say anywhere to think about any human being. And yet, Reb Chaim Falaji says, we are always obligated to bear in mind and to focus on the Tanah Rameir. Why would that be? Another interesting thing. The Ben Yehoyad, the Masech Lorashan, Adaf Yerches, quotes Reb Chaim Vital, that Rav Meir was buried different than any other person was ever buried. Rav Meir was buried standing. I guess it could get tired after a while. It gets a little tiring. But Rav Meir is buried standing. Why is he buried standing? What is the meaning of this? What is the significance of that? Well, I'm going to uh, direct your attention now. And again, if you have the Sefer, I'm going now to Perak Yud Gimel on page Tzadi Beis and a, a very interesting Gemara in Rosh Hashanah. If I were to ask you, in which city will Mashiach reveal himself in? So I know what you're going to say. You're going to say Chicago. Mashiach will first reveal himself in Chicago. And I know I've, I've heard that before, but actually 
that is not what the Gemara says. Surprisingly, though, you would have thought. But the Gemara says that uh, in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, that Rabbi Yochanan teaches that the Sanhedrin made ten stops at the time of the Chorban. It went from the Lishkas Hagazes to a store and back to Yerushalayim and then to Yavne and then to Usha and then to Yavne back to Usha and to Sharafram and to Beis Sha'arim and to Tzipoyri and then to Tiveria. Says the Gemara, and wherever the Sanhedrin went, the Shechina went. Says the Gemara, Amar since the last stop where the Sanhedrin and the Shechina went was Tiveria, Misham Asidin Ligoel. Mashiach will reveal himself in Tiberia. Interesting. That is quite amazing. Mashiach will reveal himself in the city of Tiberia. Now this seems to be inconsistent with the Zayar. Because the Zayar Kadosh writes, actually in this week's parsha, it says, Hashem. <laughs> And says the Gemara, says the Zayar, "Bekumai la'aroi tsaretz kagikum beyiskalei ba'ara de Galilee." That Mashiach will reveal himself in the Galilee. So the Chidayas, it's a stira. The Gemara says Mashiach will reveal itself in Tiberia, and the Zayar says Mashiach will reveal itself in the Galilee. Says the Chida, there's no contradiction at all. The Zayar is giving the general region. Mashiach, in general, will reveal himself in the Galilee. But if you want to know where in the Galilee. So that we have the Gemara. The Gemara says that Mashiach will reveal himself in Tiveria. And the question asked by one of the early Mekubalim, uh, the MS Liakov, Rav Yaakov Sha'altiel Ninyo, he asks that Sarach Ladakdek, Maloi Matza, Melech Mashiach, Makam Chalaretz Yisrael, is Galois Kiim B'Tiveria. What business does Mashiach have with Tiveria that Mashiach will reveal himself first in Tiveria? That is question number one. Question number two, if you look in the Yalkut Shemoni, last week's parsha, the Yalkut Shemoni basically paraphrases the Gemara that the Sanhedrin made ten stops before the Chorban, and connected that the Shechina likewise made ten stops, and the final stop is Tiveria, and the Yusham and the Yalkut Shemoni says the following expression, Tiveria Mishalemes Lemashiach. Tiveria will be, will fulfill, will be the completion of Mashiach. What does that mean? Similar to what it says in the Gemara, that not only will Mashiach reveal itself in Tiveria, but Tiveria will be Mashlim, the Mashiach, will complete the coming of Mashiach. Why will that be? Another interesting question. This question is... uh, I'm extrapolating based on the question of the MS Liakov, Rabbi Yaakov Shaltiel Ninyo. And he asks that we find that the great Tana, Rabbi Akiva, is buried in the city of Tveria. And the MS Liakov wants to know of all the cities in Eretz Yisrael, why is Rabbi Akiva specifically buried in Tveria? Well, let's ask the same thing about Rameir. Because as we mentioned, Rav Meir was also buried in Tveria. What is the hashgacha? What is the significance that Rav Meir is specifically buried in the city of Tveria? Another question. Question number four. A Yushalmi in Klayim. The Yushalmi says at the end of Rav Meir's life, he went to Askia. He went to somewhere in Asia. And he sent a message to the Bnei Eretz Yisrael as follows: Ha Mashiachain Didchon, I am Mashiach. Rav Meir revealed the following. Rav Meir said, "I am Mashiach." Now, Marvar Aboisai. Rav Meir was a great Tana. Rav Meir was a Soifer. Rav Meir was everything. Except for one thing. There's one thing Rav Meir can never be. Rav Meir, for sure, can never be Mashiach. And that is because to be Mashiach, you have to come from David HaMelech. And Rav Meir not only didn't come from David HaMelech, he didn't even come from the Jewish people. Rav Meir came from Gerim. That's right. Rav Meir descended from Esav, from Rome, from Edom. Remember the Gemara in Gittin? 
the Gemara says that the first governor, the first uh, Caesar, the first um, general that was sent to destroy the base of Mikdash was a man by the name of Nero Caesar. And near, as Nero Caesar is headed toward Yushalayim, he throws an arrow to the east, it lands in Yushalayim. He throws an arrow to the west, it lands in Yushalayim. He throws an arrow to the, to the north, to the south. He figures he's going to have uh, divine assistance in destroying Yushalayim. He turns to a child. He says, Yingala, tell me what you're learning. They, this, he would take this as an omen of whether he'd be successful or not. And the child says, well... God says he's going to allow the temple to fall in the hands of Rome, and then he's going to wipe his hands with Rome. So Nero Khazar says, I don't understand. God wants me to do his dirty work, then he's going to wipe the floor with me. The Gemara says, Arak, Nero Khazar fled. Va'azal, he left. V'nafak mine Rebbe Meir. And Rebbe Meir came out of Nero Khazar. In other words, Rebbe Meir was a descendant of the Caesar of the general of Rome of Esav, Rav Meir came from Esav. It's interesting if you look in the end of Hyrios, the Gemara gives a little story about how Rav Meir and Rav Nasan did not agree with the appointment of Rav Shimon Gamliel as the Nasi of Klal Yisrael, and Rav Shimon Gamliel did not like the fact that. Um, when he would walk into the base Hamedrish, everyone would stand up for him, and then when Rav Meir would walk in, everyone would stand up for Rav Meir, and then when Rav Nassim would walk in, everyone would stand up for Rav Nassim. So Rav Shim Gamliel sort of made a takana that they stand up for him, and they don't stand up for anybody else. Well, Rav Meir and Rav Nassim did not like that. They felt that they were more knowledgeable in Torah than was uh, Rav Shim Gamliel, so they were going to get him to... Uh, stumble in an area of Torah, they were going to publicly ask him to give a discourse about something called Uksin, which Rav Shem Gamliel was not uh, well versed in, and they were going to depose Rav Shem Gamliel. Rav Shem Gamliel got wind of this, he quickly mastered Uksin, and when they tried to get him to stumble, he knew the answer, and he kicked Rav Meir out of the Torah Academy, he kicked Rav Nassim out of the Academy, and he changed their name. He said, from now on, nobody calls Rameir Rameir. From now on, we're going to call him Achirim, the other. By the way, when Yaakov Avinu was about to encounter Esav, and the Pasuk says, Vayira Yaakov Ma'od Vayetzer Lo. Yaakov Avinu was very frightened. He was distressed. And Rashi says, what was Yaakov scared of? Vayira Yaakov Shema Yehareg. He was afraid that Esav would kill him. Vayitzala, he was distressed. Rashi says, Shema Yaharoig Acherim. Rashi says, Yaakov was distressed that he might kill others. Simply that means, he was afraid he might kill Esav. And the Achroinim asks, the Maral and the Gorari asks, the Mizrahi asks, firstly, Rashi should say, Shema Yaharoig Esav. Wasn't Yaakov afraid that he might kill Esav? Why the expression Shema Yaharoig Acherim? Secondly, why would Yaakov be afraid he would kill Esav? Esav's coming to kill him. What's the halach if someone's coming to kill you? So we know, if someone's coming to kill you, you got to kill them first. Say many perushim. This is found in the Sefer Pninim Yikarim, Ayana Shel Torah, Zichroin Shmuel, Chavatzelas Hasharon. The Kloisenberger Rebbe says, Ha'olam Mefarish. The whole world says this over. When Rashi says that Yaakov was afraid, Shema Yaroi Gachirim, he didn't mean he was afraid he was going to kill Esav. He was afraid he was going to kill who would come out of Esav. Who would come out of Esav? Rav Meir. What was Rav Meir called? Achirim. That's what Rashi means. He was afraid, Shema Yaroi Gachirim. So Rav Meir did not come from David. He didn't even come from Jews. He came from Esav. So if he came from Esav, he can't be Mashiach. So how could you shall me say that Rameir says that I'm Mashiach? In fact, another Makar, another source for Rameir's connection to Mashiach is in the Sefer Tabur Haaretz, Rav Moshe Kliers, the Avbezin of Tiberia. He says, Ruach Apeinu Mashiach Hashem is Rashi Tevois Meir. Another remez to this idea that Rav Meir is connected to the Mashiach. What exactly is Rav Meir's connection to Mashiach Tzidkenu?
And finally, the Medrash tells us that in the end of days, Hashem is going to uh, want to bring Mashiach. And the angels are going to say to God, God, you're going to bring Mashiach to Klal Yisrael. How are they any better than the nations of the world? They all worship idols. They're all Ganovim. They're all Avaryonim. There is no advantage that the Jewish people has over any of the nations of the world. And even the Malach Michael is silenced. Even the great advocate of the Jewish people is silenced. Until the Rebbe Shalom says, you're right, they're all Megala Arayos, and they're all Shoivchei Domim. However, Klal Yisrael gives tzedakah, and therefore I'm going to bring Mashiach. And the question the Emes Yaakov asks is, Michael didn't know that the Jewish people give tzedakah? I mean, uh, he's not around every Shachris when every Mespalel is hit up for tzedakah? He's not around when people knock on the doors of uh, people and Kalisro is so generous. Maruvim Tsarche Amenu, we have so many causes and and um, how many Yidin generously contribute to so many causes all the time. Michael doesn't know that Klal Yisrael is so generous in tzedakah. And furthermore, the Goyim also give tzedakah. They also are magnanimous. What exactly is the advantage of the Jewish people over the nations of the world? Well, Marv Rabbi let's go back to the Machloikis between Rav Meir and Rabbi Huda. Are we always the children of Hashem? Or only when we act that way? Rabbi Huda holds only when we act like the children of Hashem. Are we the children of Hashem? Rav Meir says we are always considered the children of Hashem. Now who do we paskin like? Do we paskin like Rav Meir? Or do we paskin like Rabbi Huda? The Gemara Ervin says on Daf Memvava Medbez, whenever there is a Machlaikis Rav Meir and Rabbi Huda, we always paskin like Rabbi Huda. Furthermore, the Gemara says in Ervin Yud Gimel Medbez, Yadu Chachamim Shaloi Hayu B'Doiroi Kemoisai Rav Meir. The rabbis knew then the generation of Rav Meir. There is no one like him. Rav Meir was the preeminent scholar of his generation. So why did the rabbis not establish the halachas like him? Because Rav Meir was so deep, Rav Meir was so profound, nobody knew what the man was talking about. Nobody fathomed and understood Rav Meir. So even though he was greater, and he was smarter, and he was more preeminent, and we knew he was right, but we didn't know why, and if we don't know why, then he's not halachically right. I'm sorry, we have to mute everyone. I'm, I'm going to be happy to take questions at the end. The Gemara says we don't pass like Rameir because nobody understands what the man is talking about. And yet comes the Rajva and the Chubasar Rajva in Archai in Chilak Aleph, Simon Kopsadi Dalit, and Simon Reish Mambez. And the Rajva says, even though we never paskin like Rameir, this is the one exception to the rule that we do paskin like Rameir. That no matter what Madriga the Jewish people are on, we paskin like Rav Meir that we are always bonim. You know why? Because Rav Meir cited four psukim, and the psukim imply that Rav Meir is correct. And since Rav Meir is bolstered by the psukim, in this instance we paskin like Rav Meir. The MS Liakov of Rav Yakshaltiel Nino says in this instance we paskin like Rav Meir. Because since the Gemara is Ma'arich, speaks at length to explain the opinion of Rav Meir, this is the one instance that we paskin like Rav Meir. Rav Yehuda Maimon, who was Magia, the Chidushim of the father of the Rambam, Rabbeinu Maimon, he writes that the reason why this is the one exception to the rule that we paskin like Rav Meir is because typically Rav Meir is the Tanakama, he's the first Tana mentioned in a Brisa or in a Mishnah. This is the one occasion where first the Brayser brings the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, and only then it brings the opinion of Rav Meir. So since Rav Meir has the final word here, that is to indicate that the halacha is like Rav Meir. Now watch this. Comes the Emes Yaakov. Again from Rav Yaakov Sha'al Ninyo. 
This is an early Kadmine. He's cited by the Benishchai. He says, I'm going to tell you a unique reason why when it comes to this Machlaikas, this is the exception to the rule and we pass him like Rameer. Why don't we typically pass him like Rameer? The Gemara says in Erevin Yod Gimel Mabez, Yardu Chachamim We don't know what the man is talking about. He's too deep. By the way, he says, the Gemara says that Rav Meir, for every Shaila and Halacha, he could tell you 49 reasons why it's Tahar, 49 reasons why it's Tami. Memtes, Memtes. By the way, the Mekubalim, right, the Yalkaruveni brings that Rav Meir was a Nitzot, a spark of the Malach Matatron. Matatron, Memtes, Memtes. That is uh, the source of Rav Meir's uh, ability to find 49 ways to, in one direction, 49 ways in another direction. Now, Rav Meir was a spark of the Malach Matachon. Now, why don't we paskin like Rav Meir? Because the rabbis could not fathom the depth of Rav Meir's svara. But says the Emes Yaakov, that is only relevant if Rav Meir is offering opinion, an opinion about a subject that is connected to the way uh, to what we need to do in this world. Meaning, if it's a halachic dispute between Rav and Rabbi Yehuda, since we don't understand the depth of Rav logic, we can't paskin like him. But whether the Rebbeinah Shalaylam considers us his children or not, that's something relevant to the Rebbeinah Shalom himself. And certainly, God Almighty is Yoyred L'Saivdaitoy the Rameir. Certainly, the Rebbeinah Shalom can plumb the depths of the logic of Rameir. Certainly the Rebbeinah Shalom understands Rameir's logic. So whether we are considered the children of Hashem, since that's relevant to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, regarding this Machloikis, we paskin like Rameir. Ah, amazingly, the Satmar Rebbe says, this would explain the Nusach that we use on Rosh Hashanah. In the Musaf on Rosh Hashanah, we say, Hayoim Haras Oilam, today is the birthday of the world. Hayoim Yamid Bemishbar Ko Elamim, today will stand in judgment all the creations of the world. Im Kibanim, if we're like children. Im Ka'avadim, or if we're like servants. Im Kibanim, if we're like children. Rachaminu, Karachim Avabanim. Have mercy on us like a father has mercy on his children. The Im Ka'avadim, but if we're like servants, our eyes are hinged on you. Until you are gracious to us. And you allow our verdict to emerge holy and pure. The question is, what are we saying to God if we're like children, if we're like Avadim? We're Avadim. We paskin like Rabbi Huda that if we don't do the will of God, then we're like Avadim. And what does it mean? If we're like Banim, have mercy on us. And if we're avodim, then our eyes are hinged on you. Our, our eyes are always dependent on, on God, regardless of what our relationship with Him is. Says the Satmar Rebbe, a brilliant uh, explanation of this tefillah. Im kibanim, if we act like children, and even Rabbi Yehuda would agree we have the status of children, then Rachamenu have mercy on us, kerachim avabonim, like a father has mercy on his children. But if we don't act like children, and therefore Rabbi Huda would say that we are not God's children, we're his avadim, we say, God, this is a machloikas that is relevant to you. Our eyes, therefore, are hinged on you for you to try to understand the depths of Rav Meir's logic. And even though we're acting like avadim, that you need to reckon and deem us like Banim, even though we don't act that way. Im kebanim, if we act like Banim. Im kaavadim, einenu l'chatuluyais. We depend on you to, to understand Rameer's logic and to paskin that we are like the children of Hashem. Now, I'm going to share with you a fifth reason why when it comes to this machloikis between Rameer and Rabbi Huda, we paskin like Rameer. 
And this is the brilliant reason of Maran Rabbavadya Yosef. Says Rabbavadya, there's a Gemara and Baba Basra on Dafyud. A conversation between Rabbi Akiva and Tornus Rufus. Tornus Rufus asks Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva, hey, I have a question for you. Does God love the poor? So Rabbi Akiva says, of course he loves the poor. So Tornus Rufus says, so why doesn't he get them a job? Why doesn't he support them? Rabbi Akiva says, what do you mean God wants to give us the opportunity to be charitable so we could get oil Maba? Says Tornus Rufus, I don't understand. No. If you give tzedakah, that is a terrible sin. And you should go to Gehenna for giving tzedakah. Rabbi Kiva says, why is that? Tornus Rufus says, I'll give you a simple parable. The king decreed about one of his subjects that the person should be incarcerated and poor. If somebody would go sneak in and give the poor man lunch, he would be rebelling against the king and he would be punished terribly. Says Tornus Rufus, if someone is poor, God decreed that they should be poor. If you're giving them tzedakah, you're contravening the decree of the king. <laughs> Says Rabbi Akiva, bad mashal. I'll give you a different mashal. A father decreed that his son should be impoverished and should be locked up. And someone sneaks in and feeds the child. What are the repercussions of someone who feeds the child of the king? The king will reward them handsomely. Tornus Rufus obviously was going like the opinion of Rabbi Huda that that when we're not doing the will of God, we are not his children, we're his subjects. But clearly Rabbi Akiva is of the opinion and he's concurring and agreeing with the Tanner of Meir, that no matter what, we are always considered the children of Hashem. Says Rabbi Vadi Yosef, in the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, we are not authorized to give tzedakah when we don't do the will of God. But in the opinion of Rabbi Meir, that we are always the children of Hashem, regardless of how we behave, only according to Rabbi Meir, we are allowed to give tzedakah. Says the Emes Yaakov, this explains why we always give tzedakah Bizchus Rav Meir, Nishmas Rav Meir, this explains the connection between Rav Meir and Tzedakah, because according to Rabbi Yehuda, you're not allowed to give Tzedakah. You're only allowed to give Tzedakah, according to Rav Meir, that we are always the children of Hashem. Giving Tzedakah is a proclamation and a declaration that I believe Be'emuna Shalema, that the Rajba is correct, that we paskin like Rav Meir. What no, That no matter what? You didn't lose me, don't worry, I'm still here. That this is a, a declaration that we are always the children of Hashem because otherwise you would not be entitled to give tzedakah. That's why we give tzedakah le'ilu nishmas rameyar balanas. Says Rabbi Vadi Yosef, you know why we paskin like Rameyar in this instance? Because Rabbi Akiva, his Rebbe, agrees with him. And even though we don't never paskin like Rameyar, we always paskin like Rabbi Akiva. Secondly, Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Meir then create a Rabbim against Rabbi Yehuda, who's a Yachid, and Halacha Karabim against the Yachid. So it comes out quite amazing then that this teaching that we are always the children of Hashem, which was brought to the world by Rabbi Akiva, he very likely learned it from his Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Meir brought this teaching of the, into the world that we are always the children of Hashem. He learned it from Rabbi Akiva. Now this would answer another interesting question. Because we mentioned in Perkei Avais, who is the Baal HaMemra? Who is the one who taught Bonim Atem Hashem Lekeichem that Chavivin Yisrael Shinekron Bonim? I'm a Rabbi Akiva. But if you look in Avais to Rabbi Nassan, you know who says Chavivin Yisrael Shinekron Bonim Lamakon? It's Rabbi Meir. So make up your mind. Who taught it? Rabbi Akiva or Rabbi Meir? So if you look in the Binyan Yehoshuan of Rabbi Nasan, he asks, is this the teaching of Rabbi Akiva or is this the teaching of Rabbi Meir? And he answers, Rabbi Meir learned it from Rabbi Akiva. Ah, so the mitzvah of tzedakah establishes that we are the children of Hashem. Let's come back to the coming of Mashiach. The Medrash tells us that God's going to want to bring Mashiach and the angels are going to say, what do you mean? The Jews are they're equal to the nations of the world and the only answer the Rebbe has is 
the Jewish people give tzedakah. And we asked, the nations of the world also give tzedakah. And why didn't the Malach Michal know that? The Malach Michal cannot offer this advocacy? Says the Emes Yaakov, one of the most astounding approaches you'll ever hear. In the end of days, God's going to want to bring Mashiach. However, He will not have a logical reason why we deserve the redemption over the nations of the world. The only answer that God has is I am redeeming these people because they are my children. They are my kinderlach. They are my beloved banim. And the nations of the world are not. But the nations of the world are going to say, God, nice try. They are not your beloved children. We know very well, the Gemara and Erevin, that we always paskin like Rav Yehuda and we never paskin like Rav Meir. So don't give us this trick that you love them because you're, they're your children, but we don't paskin like Rav Meir. Furthermore, the Emes Yaakov says, the Goyim are what we called the Muchzuk on Klal Yisrael. They have us in their grasp. They're holding on to us in the Golos. And there's a halachic principle that when you are the Muchzuk, you could say, you cannot take away from me. I paskin like the Chacham who allows me to continue to be the Muchzuk. So the nations of the world are going to say, we are muchsuk on Klaisa. We are holding them in our clutches. We hold, Kimli, we are declaring, the halachas like Rabbi Huda, that the Jewish children are not your children. However, there's another halachic principle. That in the city of a rabbi, the halacha follows the rulings of that particular rabbi. There's something called Mara da Asra, the master of the place, where even if nowhere else they pask in that way, if someone is a rabbi in a certain location, the halacha follows them in that location. This is not just a, a nice idea. This is quoted by Beis Yosef in Klalei Apsak, Simen Chafei, from the Knesset Hagadoyla. Whoever is the Mara da Asra establishes the halachic ruling in that place. Now, there is one place in the world that no matter what you're going to say, the halacha follows his ruling. You know where we paskin like Rav Meir? Where Rav Meir is the Mara da Asra? Where is Rav Meir the Mara da Asra? In Tiberia, that's where he's buried. Rav Meir is the master of halacha in Tiberia. Says Yaakov, that is why God has orchestrated that Mashiach will reveal himself in the city of Tiberia. Because if he's going to reveal himself in Chicago, the nations of the world, all the Chicago Bears fans are going to say, we paskin like Rabbi Yehuda, and you cannot bring the Geula in the city of Chicago. You cannot bring the Geula in New York City. You cannot bring the Geula in Yushalayim. Because everywhere else, the nations of the world are going to say the halachas like Rabbi Huda that if the Gentile, that if the Jewish people do not will do the will of God, they're not His children. There is one city in the world where the halacha is in accordance with Rameir because Rameir is the Mara da Asra in the city of Tiberia. Rameir is the Mara da Asra, and therefore the Rebbeinu orchestrates that in the city of Tiberia, Mashiach will reveal Himself. And there the nations of the world cannot make any claims. They can't say that looks like Rabbi Huda because in Tiberia, nobody could open up their mouth. In Tiberia, Rav Meir has the final word. When Rav Meir said in the Yushalmi and Klayim that I'm Mashiach, he didn't mean he personally is Mashiach. He meant that his teaching that the Jewish people are always the children of Hashem is what allows the Mashiach to come. And that is what the Yalkut Shemaini means, that Tiberia is Mashlim the Mashiach. It is the completion of Mashiach, because in the city of Tiberia, where the halacha is in accordance with Rameir, there Mashiach is able to come. And that is why Rameir is buried in the city of Tiberia, because to establish his halachic power and eminence in the city of the coming of Mashiach. This, says the Beneshchai, is the reason why Rav Meir is buried standing up. Because it is the great teaching of Rav Meir that stands up for Klal Yisrael 
until the great day of the coming of Mashiach. It is Rav Meir's merit because according to everyone else, it's going to be a very difficult procedure in bringing the redemption. But Rav Meir's merit and Rav Meir's zuchos and Rav Meir's shita and Rav Meir's worldview stands up for the Jewish people until the end of time. And that is why Rav Chaim Falaji says that we are always obligated to focus, to think, never to be Mesiach Das, never to divert our attention from the great Tanner of Meir, because it is Rav Meir's view that gives us hope and gives us a yearning for the realistic and, and imminent coming of Mashiach. But I want to share with you something even more important. And that is, if you look in there, first of all, that's why in the cover of the Sefer, we have a nice uh, picturesque view of the city of Tiberia and Rav Meir's Kever. And if you open up the Sefer, on the inside of the, uh, in Yiddish, there's an expression for the inside of the Sefer. It's called the Forzets. We quote the holy words of the Chida. The Chida writes in the Rosh David, Parshas Bahar, Haloizeh HaDavar, this is the matter, Ki Kvar Noida, it is well known. Asher Pinas Yikras Yesoid Musad La'adas Yisrael, that the cornerstone principle, the foundational principle of Kal Yisrael, the most important principle in Judaism, from the day we left Egypt until today, that the Jewish people are the children of the living God, we have many principles in Judaism, we have Yud Gimel Ikrim, but the principle upon which all principles stand on, the Yisoid HaYisoidas, from the day God took us out of Egypt until today, is the fact that we are the beloved children of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And I want to share with you something that I uh, haven't added to this presentation. And Bezos Hashem, this is going to be in the third printing of the Sefer. And that is, the Gemara in Erevin says about the name of Rav Meir. What was Rav Meir's name? Gemara says something very interesting. It says the Gemara, Tana Loi Rab Meir Shemai. His name wasn't Meir, Ela Rabbi Nahorai Shemai. His name was Rabbi Nahorai. Why was he called Meir? He illuminated the eyes of Chachamim Bahalacha. And then the Gemara says, Nahorai wasn't his name either. Nechemya was his name. Why was he called Nahorai? Because all of Klaisro's eyes streamed to him in Halacha. So if you look in the Hakdama of the Shaila Suchubas Maharam Milublin, he tries to explain the main name, the name Rav Meir was given when he was born was Nehemiah, and the name Meir and the name Nohairai were Tayarim, were descriptions for Rav Meir because he illuminated everyone's eyes in Halacha. And Meir is a Lushan of illumination, and Nohairai is a Lushan of illumination. But that leaves us room to try to explain why is his name Nehemiah. After all, if you look in the Gemara in Yuma, Pei Gimel Amad Beis, Reb Meir was Medayek Bishma. Reb Meir always analyzed the etymology and the meaning of names. So why was his name Nehemiah? But based on what we're learning, that the Shita of Reb Meir is what gives the possibility for the redemption, the coming of Mashiach which is the great consolation and kois tanchumen and nechama for Klal Yisrael, then what better name would capture the essence of what Reb Meir represents for Klal Yisrael? Namely, he is the great nechama, the great consolation for the Jewish people. Because even though sometimes it looks bleak, how can we merit redemption? But we have the shita of the great nechama of Rebbe Nechemia, of Rebbe Meir, that benkach benkach nekron Banim. So let me just conclude. I uh, shared some uh, my sefer with uh, a great Rav in Mansi, Rav Yosef Yagen, and he uh, brought out an amazing remez that this tefillah elaka de Meir Aneni is the most traditional tefillah offered by the Jewish people. The numerical value of elaka de Meir Aneni is four hundred and seventy-two. You know who Davin Delakadamera Nini? 
Moshe Rabbeinu David el Kadam Eraninu. Vo'ez Chanan el Hashem ba'is ha'hi lemar. And I pleaded with God at that time saying, the Gematria of Ba'is is 472. I pled with Hashem Ba'is. 472. You know who else offers this tefillah? Rachel Imenu. Rachel Mevaka Albaneha. Gematria. Eloka Demeyer Aneni. 472. If we if Hashem answers our tefillah, we will be zoiche to chaste Hashem, chaste Hashem, gematria, elaka, demeir, anini, 472. And what we're really hoping for is Riban Shalom's great nechama, tanchumen, goyel, umayshia, gematria, 472, elaka, demeir, anini. In the great merit of Rameir, we will be zoiche to the geula. That is why Rameir is buried in Tiberia, where the Gemara says in Rosh Hashanah, Misham Asidin Ligal, that is where the redemption will reveal itself. So thank you for uh, uh, giving me the opportunity to share with you some thoughts about this very important subject and uh, wishing everybody bracha v'hatzlacha, all the tefillah should be neskabel, especially the tefillah for the coming of the Geula, Shayavai b'mher v'yaminu, Amen. Thank you very much, Rabbi Gladstein, um, for your very informative, very interesting shir. Um, I think we're going to open up uh, the floor for anybody has any questions. Again, I want to thank the, the Davis family. This uh, share again was Lilu Nishmas Simcha Simcha Davis and um, Shalom. And uh, I guess at, if anybody has any questions, uh, they can feel free. Again, Rabbi, Rabbi Gladstein's Safer um, is available on his website. It may ask, it may be here in town at Kashrastam. I'm not sure. I'm sure if you call Keshustam, they will get you the safer. So uh, without further ado, if anybody has any questions, uh, Rabbi Gladstein is, is uh, here still for a couple of minutes to ask, answer questions. Sure. Uh, if, you, if you have any questions, just um, you could unmute yourself. Um, Okay. Okay, I allowed uh, unmuting. Um, Danny, on you on your end, do you could you unmute everyone? Bring out. Are we, are we all muted? I think I, I, I unmuted. Um, oh, can you mute everyone for a minute? Oh, that was okay. Sure. Uh, I'm just curious. It seems like it's a very big doichak or a very sh- big shverkite until you fetch out that we list the mayor that we can have Mashiach, which seems like an ikar of an armuna. And there's how would you answer a missionary or something like to try to give this answer? It seems like very shver. You know, I'm just curious. Uh, on a more practical level, how does one uh, explain to someone you know who is maybe not uh, into lumdas? That Hashem uh, still loves Klai Yisrael and He's still going to choose them over the other nations for the Gulas. Well, this, that's an open pasuk in the Chumash. Banim atem lashem You are the children uh, of Hashem. You, you, and not anybody else. Um, you know, it's interesting. The the Shlach brings from the Smag that the closing prophecy of all the Neviim and the Navi Malachi are two points. Uh, you know, the Gentiles say, well, uh, you know, God gave the Torah, but now you can abdicate the law. And their other principle is, and God continued speaking with us after he spoke to your prophets. But the closing nevuah of the Navi Malachi is two things. Number one, zichru tairas Avdi. You have to keep the law. Don't forget to keep the halacha. So my closing, Hashem's closing remarks to the Neviim. Number one, zichru tairas Moshe. You have to keep the law. And number two, The next prophet's going to be in the end of days. And until then, that's that's all for now. I'm not saying anything else. So, you know, this concept 
that uh, of Hashem's love for Kal Yisrael is is you know openly expressed in in the Chumash. Banim Atem, which the Mishnah says in Perkei is just you. You know, Atem means you. You means not anybody else. Yeah. This also explains why Rabbi Akiva is buried in Sfat. And very yeah, very good. That very good. That explains why Rabbi Kiva is there as well. In other words, the two of them establish that in that location, in case in case anybody asks, oh, we don't paskin like a mayor, so Rabbi Kiva is there as well to support him to bolster that uh, viewpoint and uh, to establish the roiv that the halacha is like uh, is like Rameir. Shkayach. Okay.